Welcome to a very special series of ESA Explores. On the 31st of March 2021, the European Space Agency opened applications for its first astronaut selection in over a decade. In this series, we delve a bit deeper into the role and the attributes of ESA astronauts with a few of the people who know them best. Along the way, we discover there are so many different opportunities to work in space exploration, and there's no one linear pathway to getting there. We hope you enjoy this journey behind the scenes, and if you are applying to ESA's astronaut selection, we wish you best of luck. You'll find everything you need to know online at esa.int slash yourwaytospace. I'm Ali Kohler, Stephen Ennis is on the sound desk, and this is ESA Explores. The International Space Station is a hub of vital science and research in space, and due to the unique conditions up there, it allows us to look into different phenomena that simply isn't possible to observe or investigate here on Earth. Much of that work will help us explore farther into space and is already helping us improve life here on Earth. It's vital for overcoming the challenges that we face in the future. To tell us a little bit more about that, we're speaking to Jennifer Noan. She is Research Programs and Payload Coordinator for ESA. We have Jennifer Noan with us. And Jennifer, you are Research and Payloads Program Coordinator, is that right? Yes. Hi, uh, everybody. Hi, Ellie. Thank you for mu uh, so much for this introduction and thank you so much for having me as a speaker here. Fantastic. So what exactly does this title mean? What does your job involve at ESA? Yeah, let me go back a little bit and uh, try to explain to you uh, a little bit the background. I joined the agency in 2006 as a young graduate trainee. Now, that is 15 years ago. A lot of time has passed since then. I'm, of course, not a young graduate trainee anymore, but I have since, since I completed the traineeship, continued to work in and for the human and robotic spaceflight direct directorate in various functions. So I moved from being a project scientist to various ground-based and space-based experiments from the medical and psychological area to coordinating first the entire human research program and then the directorate's human research, biology, and physical sciences program. And now I'm a research program and payloads coordinator, as you were, uh, rightly uh, pointed out, where I oversee all our various research activities. And I try to get us and our research activities ready for the next chapter of space exploration. So what does that involve, getting them ready for the next chapter of space exploration? Now, as you have probably realized, human spaceflight is currently entering the next phase of space exploration, or in other words, the second space age is here. Almost every day, Studies on astrophysics, astrobiology, and space physiology are published in major scientific journals and very often make the news headlines. And by the way, at least four Nobel Prizes were awarded to topics stemming from space sciences. Now, all major space agencies, including us from ESA, would like to go back to the moon. We would like to go back there, not just for brief visits like in the Apollo program 50 years ago, we would not like to just plant some flags and leave, but this time we would like to stay and work and live up there safely and sustainably. 
And we would like to do so through what our American friends and colleagues have now in the meantime called the Artemis program. Of course, we would uh, like to go back, not only for the sake of returning and preparing to be ready for even more challenging missions, but ultimately we would like to be able to go to Mars with a human crew for extended periods of time. Now, the amount of time needed in space for a full mission to Mars has not yet been accumulated by any astronaut during a single or during multiple uh, flights or missions. And as a matter of fact, only four individuals have ever participated to spaceflight missions that lasted more than one year. And let's face it, once an astronaut crew will have completed the uh, roughly nine-month-long journey to Mars, there is a considerable risk that they will not be fit enough to complete the mission upon arrival unless good, effective, preventive measures are developed. And that is why we have an obligation to intensify our research and preparatory activities to ensure that astronauts remain healthy and are able to perform their complex tasks. We have to address as many of the risks and challenges that go along with such long-duration missions before we send a human crew far out into space. And that is what we do with our daily work. Ah, okay, so this is the research that's currently taking place on the International Space Station, or it's taking place on the ground as well, or, or how are you preparing for this? That is correct. So with all the, our activities, the International Space Station is probably the most known example of research platforms in our portfolio. And uh, is complemented by research that we conduct on ground. With all those activities, we uh, we prepare for those very challenging uh, long duration spaceflight missions with human crews. Mm -hmm. And I understand also you have a medical background as a as a medical doctor. Is that something that's required for your role or helpful for your role? How does that tie in? Well, it's actually a funny story. I first studied medicine in Germany. I studied that because I have always been curious and wanted to know uh, how our body works and functions. And when I completed those medical studies, I was still relatively young. And because I wanted to know more about how our brain and nerves uh, work, I started another set of studies, neurosciences to be more specific. And uh, I obtained my uh, PhD in 2006 from the Oregon Health Sciences University in Portland, Oregon, in the US. Now, while I prepared to defend my thesis, I in parallel started to look for jobs, of course. And one of the jobs I applied for was as NASA payload engineer. I never expected to hear back from, from NASA, but uh, miraculously I did. They very politely thanked me for the application. They informed me that they were unable to consider my application because of me not being a U.S. citizen, and they recommended that I check back with my own European space agency. And that's actually how I learned about ESA in the first place. I searched for vacancies on the ESA website. I came across the uh, trainee position in the what was then Life Sciences Unit of the Human Space Flight Directorate. I applied for it. I was selected and uh, have since then not left the agency. Wow. Okay. So it wasn't your, your career wasn't always designed around space. You weren't um, focused on entering the space industry from the start. That is correct. I always thought that you have to be a rocket scientist, a very, very clever um, to, uh, to enter the space, space area. 
Well, I'd say you're still very, very clever, but perhaps not a rocket scientist. (laughs) So um, over the time that you've been with ESA, you say you've been with ESA for 15 years now, are there some standout moments for you, some, some highlights? Yes, absolutely. So I really enjoy the international aspect of our work. The International Space Station is really an unparalleled and inspiring example of what can be achieved across several partners and countries. The ISS has been the most politically complex space exploration program ever undertaken. It brought together international flight crews, multiple uh, launch vehicles, and a huge scientific research community. And it is those highly integrated partnerships that are helping to expand our knowledge of the universe of space. The more collaboration we bring together to solve complex problems for all of humanity's sake, for all of Earth, the better our collective chances are to to grow and to thrive in that final frontier. So that is really what I enjoy a lot about about the work, the international environment and uh, the, the space topics that we address. Yeah, absolutely. For you, it seems like it wasn't sort of a direct pathway to space, although you did get into space and you obviously love the work. What advice would you give to someone else out there who might be considering a career in the space industry? Yeah, that's a good one. Just be brave, be strong, chase down your interests and passions. Never be ashamed of your ambition or curiosity. There's so much work to be done in uh, discovery and science and innovation. And we humans, we have such a limited time in which we can do it. We have to learn how to save our planet from climate change. We have to learn how to cure diseases, how to solve international conflicts. We uh, can still learn so much about other planets and reveal undiscovered secrets of physical laws. Um, So what a waste uh, it is to not make those discoveries and uh, inventions and finding solutions that could save us all. So, um, yeah, don't let anybody bully you into silence when people are irritated with you or try to oppose your progress. It generally means that you're doing something right. <laughs> and I would advise anybody who is considering a career in science and engineering to be daring, to never let themselves be put down if any barriers uh, appear to look beyond the fence, to be ready to open doors, to pursue the objectives and just to make their dreams a reality. There are so many rewarding places in science, in space science and engineering for everybody. Curiosity, perseverance and competence are key. Fantastic stuff. In terms of looking at these challenges that we're going to need to address to go farther, to go to the moon, to go to Mars, what are kind of the biggest ones? for research and science at the moment, in your view? In general, um, it, is, uh, it is accepted uh, as a fact that there are five challenges that we need to address. There is the challenge of microgravity, of course. There is the issue of massive radiation. The space exposes the astronauts to uh, massive radiation. The crews have to live autonomously in isolation and in a very confined and confining tin can. Then I mentioned it already, space exposes astronauts to zero gravity conditions, which of course has an impact on their bodies. Just to illustrate which effect spaceflight has on the human body, a six-month stay in orbit reduces bone density by the equivalent of 10 years on Earth. And it reduces physical work capacity by 40%. 
It exposes astronauts to increased cosmic radiation, which increases their risk for cancer. And all those very extreme conditions have direct impact on the feasibility and the success of those very challenging long-duration uh, exploration missions that we are currently planning towards. Right. So yes, vital that these things that you have clever people researching and looking into how we can mitigate those risks so that we can continue to explore and go further. That is correct. So all the activities that we support through our program center around one central question. And that is how can we make humans a spacefaring species or how can we contribute to make missions beyond low Earth orbit with a human crew a safe reality? And how can we preserve health over the entire lifetime of our crew members? So that is actually the, the core of our program. Fantastic. And how about yourself? Have you ever fancied yourself as an astronaut, as a, a spacefaring person? When I was young, I really wanted to become an astronaut. Right now, uh, still, if uh, somebody would offer me a ticket to go to the ISS, I would accept. But uh, I would have a preference for short duration mission. Usually astronauts are on board the space station for usually six months. That is a tad too long for me, but I would not oppose to go to the space station for 10 to 14 days. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think perhaps a long weekend or something like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Jennifer. Is there anything else that you think would be important to share about your role or about work in ESA or the space industry generally before we wrap up? The Young Radiator Trinity opportunity gave me a, the, the possibility to have a closer look at what uh, space agencies do. So during that one-year traineeship, I learned a lot about how ISS works. Uh, I learned a lot about the international uh, element of, uh, of the space work. And uh, I got a very nice overview into all the projects that are being supported in our directorate. Um, generally, uh, when people think about spaceflight, when they think about astronauts, they do not know what, uh, what is uh, going on behind the scenes. And they are usually not aware of how much work there is going on behind the scenes. So the traineeship gave me a very good insight uh, into uh, all that work. To find out more about ESA's 2021 astronaut selection, visit the website esa.int slash your way to space. That's your way to space. Thanks for listening to ESA Explores. If you have any feedback or ideas for future episodes of the podcast, don't hesitate to get in touch via Twitter at ESA Spaceflight using the hashtag ESA Explores.